here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.6 FM in King Williamstown. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Our final conversation of the day takes a look at the World Health Organization and the latest guidelines that they've received in order to try and save as many lives as possible. And this is with regards to air pollution, right? So uh, let's talk about what these standards actually are. How do they all work? Uh, Joining us now is Dr. Karadi Wright, who is a senior specialist scientist at the uh, South African Medical Research Council. Dr. Wright, good morning. Good morning. So let's talk about, firstly, you know, air quality standards. Who sets them? And, you know, on, on what grounds, or what base, or what forms the basis uh, for these standards? Sure. So first we must distinguish between two words. First mm. of all, guidelines. And second of all, standards. So the World Health Organization Global Air Quality Guidelines are derived from all of the latest scientific evidence from studies around the world. And those figures get compiled as a guideline value. And those are what have just recently been released last week. Then governments take those guidelines as well as other considerations and they prepare national ambient air quality standards. And those standards overseen by our air quality directorate and um, air quality officers are what are enforced in our nation. Mm. So effectively, you know, the, the wording I would imagine, given how you've emphasized it, is important because even though the WHO may set out the guidelines, it's ultimately up to, you know, countries to determine what their individual standards are going to be. That's absolutely correct. And in fact, um, our government has recently put out a call just a few weeks ago to review our national ambient air quality standards. So it's really an opportune time for a group of people to be called together to scrutinize these World Health Organization guidelines and think about what do we need to do in South Africa to improve air quality. What do we know right now about the effects of air pollution on human beings? And, you know, of course, I, I would imagine that it also varies from country to country, but also within countries, uh, different areas. So oftentimes we'll talk about, we'll hear about uh, communities in Mpumalanga, especially those that are around some of the coal-powered fire stations and the extent and the impact that they experience when it comes to um, you know, air pollution. That's right. So air pollution or air quality um, differs around the world from one country to another. In some places, there'll be very low levels of air pollution. And this is where the international evidence that informs the guideline shows us that even at those low levels, if you're exposed for a long time throughout your life, you are at risk of health effects like cardiovascular disease, cardiopulmonary disease, and other respiratory illnesses. But then if you look at a country like South Africa, where we have um, air pollution hotspots, which are considered under our priority areas um, of the government, with for special attention to try and improve the air quality there. For example, as you speak about in Pumalanga, that's the high felt priority area. 
Um, not only do we have concerns about the air pollution from the coal-fired power stations and other industries, but we also have big concerns about domestic solid fuel burning in people's homes where they burn wood and coal. Mm-hmm. And these are right in the breathing zones of individuals. So the risk of human health um, damage is great for people living in air pollution hotspots and also in places, even in cities, where people are using solid fuel um, as the main energy source for heating and cooking in their homes. Given the fact that these are merely guidelines, uh, Dr. Wright, do you find that there are countries who set their standards perhaps above or uh, above the recommendations of the guidelines? Yes. So the guidelines are actually prepared in such a way to help countries work towards that low number that we're aiming for, Mm. that is to try and protect human health. So they have what are called interim targets. Um, In the 2005 guidelines of WHO, there were three interim targets. Um, In the new guidelines of 2021, there are four targets. And South Africa's standard, for example, if we look at what's called particulate matter with a very small size of 2.5 micrograms uh, per cubic meter, um, our our standard sits somewhere between the World Health Organization interim target two and interim target three. So the targets are there almost as stepping stones for countries to use to work their way closer and closer to the the WHO guideline, which we know is supposed to protect human health from air pollution. Mm. You know, given the fact that there is such a strong link between air pollution and the health and the well-being of individuals, uh, you know, just based on, on, on what the WHO is saying, that brings us back to a question of culpability and accountability. I mean, are we seeing that some of the biggest polluters are actually being held accountable for their contribution? Yes, certainly. So um, our government is working very hard to ensure um, not only for air pollution, but also if you think about the upcoming COP27 meeting mm-hmm. where we're, we're thinking about um greenhouse gas emissions that contribute towards global warming, there is an enormous effort on on part of our government as well as NGOs and others to ensure that people, industries, including um, big coal-fired power stations um, and light manufacturing, you've also got to think about traffic, um, which is also also a big contributor to air pollution. How can we make these um, parties reduce air pollution? And there are... um, uh, um, what's the right word? There are restrictions, so there are minimum emission licenses that industries must comply with. And then when when an industry can't, for example, there is an option called offsetting, where they have to work very hard to reduce the air pollution in a larger area called an airshed around where the industry itself is based. Now, Dr. Wright, you are, of course, one of um, the South African and and you're the only South African um, specialist who has been part of this body that has been drafting this legislation uh, with the WHO. What has that meant for you on a personal level? That's such a wonderful question. It has been an enormous honor 
to be part of a group of people from around the world, um, many experts, many um, people who've been there through several iterations of the guidelines, and I've learned so much. Um, and it is a real um, privilege to be able to bring that information back home to South Africa to help improve air pollution for our people in our country. Of course, one of the things that it also allows you to do is to help benchmark South Africa versus the rest of the world. And, you know, you would have a clearer picture than most about where other countries sit. That's true. Yes, absolutely. And um while we we are, are we are struggling with um, getting our air pollution levels under control in certain areas, there are definitely countries, um, for example, like India, who also have um, very high levels of air pollution, where some very innovative innovate interventions are being put in place. So we have a lot to learn, and I'm very optimistic for the future that we will clean our air and ensure health and well-being for South Africans. Dr. Karadi Wright, a senior specialist scientist at the South African Medical Research Council. Dr. Wright, let me uh, thank you so much for your time today. So we're edging towards the end of the show. Sakina Kamwendo is going to be coming up shortly. Before we do that, perhaps one last voice note.